Hi everyone, Momus Najmi here and today I have for you the lost city of Atlantis. The city lost to the seas thousands of years ago, its treasures and mysteries searched for but never found. The idea of Atlantis, the lost island often idealized as an advanced utopian society holding wisdom and lost wealth has captivated dreamers for generations. Thousands of books, magazines and websites are devoted to Atlantis. Still a popular topic. People have lost fortunes and in some cases even their lives looking for Atlantis. But was there actually any city like Atlantis? Did Atlantis actually exist? Let's dive straight into it, our mysterious adventure. So, how did we come to know about Atlantis? It is not through movies, TV series, video games or novels. No, it is from a popular culture of an age-long past. It is from Plato that we get to know about the lost city of Atlantis. In his dialogues, Timaeus and Critias, both were written about 2300 years ago and they talk of an era in which Atlantis is set, even few thousand years before that time. According to Plato, around 9000 years before his time, the story passed on by poets, storytellers, priests and the sort and finally down to him. So what is the story and how did it come to him? Now let's see. Well, Timaeus and Critias were two Socratic dialogues written by Plato as festive speeches to be told on the day of Panathenia in honor of the goddess Athena. So according to them, Socrates asked three men to meet him on this day, which in the common era would be 13th of August. The three men were Timaeus of Locri, Hermocrates of Syracuse and Critias of Athens. Three is always such an important number in myths. And Socrates asked these men to tell him stories about how ancient Athens interacted with other states. The first story was that from Critias, who told how his grandfather has met an Athenian poet, Solon, one of the seven sages. There were seven wise men of Greece. I'll tell you about it some other time, if you already don't know. So anyway, Solon had been to Egypt, where priests had compared Egypt and Athens and talked about the gods and legends of both lands. And one such Egyptian story was about Atlantis. According to the Egyptians, or rather what Plato described Critias reporting what his grandfather was told by Solon who heard it from the Egyptians, once upon a time there was a mighty power based on an island in the Atlantic Ocean. This empire was called Atlantis and ruled over several other islands and parts of the continents of Africa and Europe. 
Now Atlantis as described by Plato was situated in Pillars of Hercules, which in modern day equates to the Straits of Gibraltar, connecting the Atlantic Ocean to the Mediterranean Sea between Spain and Morocco. The foundation of Atlantis was created by Poseidon, a deity of Greek mythology known to rule over the oceanic domain. Poseidon fell in love with the daughter of men living on those islands named Plato, and when her parents passed away, they wed and had five sets of male twins. That's ten sons. The eldest of the first set was named Atlas and became the first Atlantean king. Poseidon created Atlantis to have alternate zones of land and sea, two of land and three of water in a rotund shape around the heart of Atlantis. Then he brought forth two different springs of water, one of cold and the other of heat from the hill in the center. This allowed all sorts of animals and plants to thrive in Atlantis, providing a wide variety of food sources for the Atlanteans. They could derive all they needed from the earth and the sea, and so they were wealthy with abundant resources. The Atlanteans built a citadel that was situated in the center of Atlantis, where a holy temple was dedicated to Poseidon and Cleto, adorned in silver and gold. The streams of tepid and cold water were turned into fountains for use by the upper hierarchy. The citizens worshipped the deity and the descendants of Atlas. But it is implicated in Critias that its virtue became diluted over time. However, Athens was comparatively described as a virtuous state in their worship of the goddess Athena, who prevailed over reason, intelligence, art, and literature. The Atlanteans at the time were seeking new territory to conquer after expanding the empire to continents near their islands. Atlantis waged an unprovoked imperialistic war on the remainder of Asia and Europe. When Atlantis attacked, Athens showed its excellence as a leader of the Greeks, the much smaller city-state, the only power to stand against Atlantis. Alone, Athens triumphed over the invading Atlantean forces, defeating the enemy, preventing the free from being enslaved, and freeing those who had been enslaved. The Athenians put the Atlanteans who resisted into slavery and liberated those who cooperated. Yet overnight, a series of terrible storms and earthquakes flooded the land, covering Atlantis in mud and water. Atlantis was then lost to the sea, swallowed up by the earth, along with all the Atlanteans and the Athenian warriors. So, the Atlantis story is part of Socratic dialogues and not an historical account. Probably designed by Plato to represent how a miniature utopia failed and became a lesson to us defining the proper behavior of a state, according to him. Though, today Atlantis is often conceived of as a peaceful utopia, 
the Atlantis that Plato described in his fable was very different. In his book, Encyclopedia of Dubious Archaeology, Professor of Archaeology Ken Feder notes that in Plato's story, Atlantis is not a place to be honored or emulated at all. Atlantis is not the perfect society. Quite the contrary, Atlantis is the embodiment of a materially wealthy, technologically advanced, and militarily powerful nation that has become corrupted by its wealth, sophistication, and might. As propaganda in Plato's morality tale, the Atlantis legend is more about the city's heroic rival Athens than a sunken civilization. If Atlantis really existed today and was found intact and inhabited, its residents would probably try to kill and enslave us all. And since there is no mention of Atlantis before this time within Greek literature of or art, it is safe to assume that it was fictitious. So why did he write them as Socratic dialogues? Well, Socratic dialogue is a genre of literary prose developed in Greece at the turn of the 4th century BCE. The earliest ones are perceived in the works of Plato and Xenophon, and all involve Socrates as a protagonist. These dialogues and subsequent ones in the genre present a discussion of moral and philosophical problems between two or more individuals illustrating the application of the Socratic method. Plato wrote 35 such dialogues. Now, Plato was a student of Socrates, and he followed the same line of thought that philosophy should not be written in the form of doctrines, but rather conversations where the real philosophy happens. Furthermore, Plato believed that a philosopher should approach each person differently, knowing like a doctor the right medicine for a person. Just like drugs in the hands of a non-doctor are dangerous, written texts or speeches taken out of context are dangerous for the soul. And so because he wouldn't always be there to have conversations with people, he wrote down good conversations for us to read. The early day written podcast, if you will. Because of the Socratic method, the philosophy through discourse, Socrates didn't write any of his philosophy down. Plato tells us that he felt writing would inhibit the exchange of ideas and that people would become dependent on the written word, as they would no longer have to remember what they had learned. So whatever we know about Socrates and his philosophy is via his students. So are they real conversations? Well, with a possible slight exception in the case of the Apology, Plato's dialogues are entirely Plato's own imaginative creations, presenting situations and imagining the discourse and approaching it through the philosophy and mind of his master. Now back to Atlantis. The Atlantis story is clearly a parable. Plato's myth is of two cities which compete with each other, not on legal grounds, but rather cultural and political confrontation and ultimately war. A small but just city, Athens, triumphs over a mighty aggressor, Atlantis. The story also features a cultural war between wealth and modesty, between a maritime and an agrarian society, and between an engineering science and a spiritual force. 
are concerning the story of Atlantis. Some took Plato's word for it and believed the tale to be true, factually true, while others like Aristotle believed it to be for what it was, a fiction. He is known to have joked about Plato's ability to conjure nations out of thin air and then destroy them. In 1627, the English philosopher and scientist Francis Bacon published a utopian novel titled The New Atlantis, depicting, like Plato before him, a politically and scientifically advanced society on a previously unknown oceanic island. It's a really good book. If you guys haven't read it, you should really read it. There's a lot that you can understand um, from that novel, the story behind how Plato came about his story as well. In 1882, former US Congressman Ignatius L. Donnelly published Atlantis, the Antediluvian World, which touched off frenzy of works attempting to locate and learn from historical Atlantis. Donnelly hypothesized an advanced civilization whose immigrants had populated much of ancient Europe, Africa and the Americas, and whose heroes had inspired Greeks Hindus, Scandinavians, um, and their mythologies. Donnelly's uh, theories were popularized and elaborated by the turn of the 20th century um, theosophists and are often incorporated into contemporary New Age beliefs, which you might have encountered. From time to time, archaeologists and historians locate evidence a swampy prehistoric city in coastal Spain a suspicious undersea rock formation in the Bahamas that might be a source of the Atlantis story. Of these, the site with the widest acceptance um, is the Greek island of Santorini, ancient Terra, a half-submerged caldera created by the massive 2nd millennium BCE volcanic eruption, whose tsunami may have hastened the collapse of the Minoan civilization on Crete. Plato, however, is crystal clear about where Atlantis is, as he writes, For the ocean there was at that time navigable, for in front of the mouth which you Greeks call, as you say, the Pillars of Hercules, there lay an island which was larger than Libya and Asia together. In other words, it lies in the Atlantic Ocean beyond the Pillars of Hercules, which is the Straits of Gibraltar, as I mentioned before, at the mouth of the Mediterranean. The only way to make a mystery out of Atlantis and to assume that it was a real place is to ignore its obvious origins as a moral fable and to change the details of Plato's story. As writer L. Sprague de Camp noted in his book Lost Continents, which is also a very good read, you cannot change all the details of Plato's story and still claim to have Plato's story. But that is all there is to it, and the most likely explanation. A long, long time ago, there must have been some island or another which had a set of people slightly ahead of their time due to natural disaster. It must have been submerged, and the reason for the basis of exaggerated stories then on, for each storyteller to use it as a customized narrative to explain their point till they took the form of Plato's Atlantis. At least, that's what I think. Every good fiction has some truth in it, and whether the truth is relevant 
or irrelevant to the story is another matter. So the lost city of Atlantis was never truly lost. It was just never there to be found in the first place. Alright folks, that's all I have for you on Atlantis, the fiction that became a myth, the myth that became a legend. It took me a little longer to get this episode done since I had to revisit a lot of stuff I read a while while back. I had to reread Timaeus and Critias, but to be honest, I skimmed through them this time. I need to set up a separate time to appreciate it once again. But for those who don't want to go through all of it, I made this episode. And if you want to learn a little bit more about Atlantis, there are obviously a lot of other sources and I have listed them down um, in in the episode description. Also, um, there is a very good episode about Plato on Atlantis on YouTube by the Voices of the Past. So be sure to check that out if you're interested. But anyway, here we are at the end now. Next time, well, I will do an episode about something unusual, as suggested by a friend of mine. I will gather up as much information as I can about roller coasters. That will be some ride. Until then, take care, be good, and thank you so much for listening.